How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, it is Friday. Yeah. And I mean that literally, guys. Like this isn't just like the Friday episode of Locked on Bucks. It is literally Friday. It is 12.03 as we record this. Uh, Trying to get this content out to you guys because we love you so much. Uh, But yeah, that was a long process uh, for for the NBA draft. And the Bucks have a couple picks. And... I have people in my mentions very happy. I have people in my mentions very sad. I have people in my mentions very angry. Um, So I guess we'll try to get to the bottom of what those feelings should be. Huh, Frank? We shall. And the older I get, the less emotion I can summon uh, during an NBA draft. And I feel like tonight was a good example. I was not really that excited about the guys in the Bucks range at, at 17. Um, I did not think that DJ Wilson was going to be the pick at 17. That for sure was, was not a guy I was expecting to see. We had, we'd heard probably like a half dozen names seemed like much better bets. And, um, DJ Wilson, who didn't come to Milwaukee for a workout, um, ended up being the guy that gets picked. And then, you know, I think as fans probably looked a little bit more into him, uh, you can kind of see some of the appeal with, with the physical tools he has, um, the outside in maybe, maybe style to his game. And, um, you know, maybe not an ups, a really big upside guy. I mean, I think the, um, and I don't know, I don't know if I'd call him like necessarily even like a high floor guy, but he's definitely a guy who basically was a role player in college and pretty much is probably going to do similar stuff in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't even know. I, I hadn't gotten to the point where I started to think about floor yet, but I, I, I mean, it seems like the way that he plays, like, I don't think he has that next level athleticism i don't think that he's gonna be i mean there's times where he gets some dunks and he gets to the rim but overall i think there's maybe a little bit of concern that he doesn't finish quite strong enough um so it's hard to see a really high ceiling like i guess to me it just kind of seems like that he's a probably a backup maybe a, a role player like the fourth or fifth guy in a starting rotation or in a starting lineup um but no he i get the part that's interesting to me is like i don't know if i loved anyone at 17 and i think i saw you tweet that as well that okay as soon as we get to 17 the, some of the guys that we thought okay maybe they could fall maybe this could be kind of fun and they that didn't happen and then uh, once I was looking down the barrel of bigs, I was probably just in a uh, headspace that was like, well, you know, whatever happens. Like, this guy is, is probably not going to be someone that I think is special and is going to outplay Thon. Um, this guy isn't going to take minutes at the four from Giannis. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a backup. I just hope it's a guy that can contribute. And, yeah, I think that was probably my headspace. So, uh having it be dj wilson i don't know if that uh 
that really changed me all that much. I, I still think relative indifference is probably how I would describe my thoughts when it happened. Um, wh- where were you at, I guess? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I mean, I knew of him just because he's a Michigan guy. He had some big games as the season went on, and Michigan had a nice run towards the end of the season. But, you know, he was not a star player. He was not a highly touted recruit. Um, ended up getting hurt and redshirting his freshman year of college at Michigan. Didn't really play a huge role last year. And then this year, you know, the numbers don't really jump off the page if you only look at the raw numbers. You know, 11 points, 5.3 rebounds, did block one and a half shots per game, um, 1.3 assists, 1.1 turnover. So um, a low turnover guy. Um, and I think the interesting thing about him, though, is um, you look at his shooting splits 63% on two point shots. 37% on almost three three-point attempts per game and 83% from the line. But the distribution is interesting because he basically didn't shoot any free throws, which kind of speaks to the fact that I think what I, well, the way I would describe him is he plays small, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, off, offensively, he's a guy that you know he, he basically didn't – I think he was like 6'7 in high school, and you read about him, and it sounds like he basically was a wing growing up. So that explains maybe why he's more of a perimeter-oriented type guy. Kid um, described him as a guard growing up, uh, as uh, in the whatever you want to call it, the little po- the little post draft press conference. But yeah, he he was small growing up. Yeah, so he's you know he has that shooting sort of ability, um, but you know in shoes he's six ten and a half, weighs two thirty four, seven three wingspan, nine foot one and a half inch standing reach. I mean, you know you see those measurables and you think this guy's going to be. Probably he can play some center at, at some point, but you kind of watch the, the the video on him and notice. I I, I was going to say film, but it's not film. I'm not watching. I'm not watching film. It's uh, I'm just a guy with an internet connection. Um, uh, but um, but you watch film on him and it's like, you know, he he has some really interesting skills. He makes plays. Off, you know, you know, again, he's not like a creative dribbler, but I mean, he can attack a closeout. Um, he can finish in kind of interesting ways. He clearly has some abilities as a scorer, even though he wasn't really a high-volume scorer at Michigan. Um, and so that makes him very interesting as sort of a complementary player because he does, you know, he can step out and, and shoot from three. Uh, and he can also put it on the floor a little bit, can score around the basket. I mean, it's weird because he basically shot no free throws, which speaks to not looking for contact. Yep. But he was also a really good finisher statistically maybe didn't take a ton of shots but was 73 percent at the rim last year which i think was eighth out of uh, draft express's top 100 um 63 on twos which shocked me because you look at like you know if you watch the draft express strengths and weaknesses videos and um as i tweeted earlier tonight the uh draft express strengths video is like the uh staying at a holiday and express last night uh, of the nba draft you know like <laughs> you, you, yep. if you're gonna do if you're gonna spend five minutes that's it. Um, Got it. But, you know, some of the things that like look impressive in his strengths video, you know, the flip side when he misses um, a lot of it's taking like fadeaways. You know, you watch his weaknesses video. It's kind of like, you know, he goes up, doesn't look like like he's going up all that strong. Um, but the kind of end result. And oh, I guess I have to make some joke about the Bucks being hashtag results. Um, but the end result was actually very efficient. And, you know, I mean, you look, I think he was 63 percent true shooting despite not shooting basically any free throws and shooting a fair number of threes. Um, so I think that's, those are, you know, again, kind of good with bad. And, um, you know, obviously it's always the thing with, with these types of guys, you know, when you're drafting a guy in the first round, are you getting a guy that sort of has like real star potential who, you know, has that kind of upside and does a bunch of different things and, you know, could be that complete package or 
are you getting a guy who you know can more slot into a role and and isn't going to have to make that leap from being a guy who's the man to um, to a guy who uh, who's maybe you have going to have to play off ball more, spot up for shots, things like that. So um, so a really interesting player. And I don't know. I mean, he seems very switchable defensively, but I don't. I know that a few people refer to him as like a multi-positional defender. I don't really know if you want him defending multiple positions. He seems like he's probably more of a four. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, maybe his his length will make him a good team defender. But um, you know, you watch him get bullied a lot um, near the basket, and so that sort of gets to the idea of him playing maybe small because. I don't know, despite his measurables, I don't, you know, he doesn't look like a guy who's going to be threatening for, for center minutes anytime soon. I mean, Giannis has basically very similar measurables and, you know, I think plays with more, more power. And, you know, if, if you're not going to play Giannis at center, it's more just because you're trying to protect him more so than anything. Whereas Wilson, it just seem just seems weaker than, you thought, uh, than Giannis. You thought the multi-position defending was going up? What's that? You thought, oh, well, I mean, but like, are you going to put him on like threes a lot? Like, I mean, I'm sure you can defend some threes, but like, I'm not going to say like, oh, let's build a depth chart with DJ Wilson at the three. I mean, yeah, no, I, I thought it was like, okay, he's a four. And then if he gets switched on to a two or a three, like you're, you're okay. You can live with that because of his mobility. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. He's switchable, but like, you're not going to run him out there and be like, you're guarding a three, you know, like, Oh, okay. And, Sorry. And, yep, I get you. Yep. Yeah. And, and obviously I'm always looking, I mean, nowadays you're always looking to figure out if you've got a big, bigger guy who can shoot, you know, can you, stri- can yep. you play him up at the center position? Um, and that's obviously was a big theme with, with Thon, right? Like how do we get Thon playing center? And, you know, DJ Wilson weighs more than Thon. DJ Wilson has the same wingspan as Thon. Um, I think he's a bit shorter standing reach than Thon. He's definitely shorter in height wise. Um, but you know, again, like you don't look at DJ Wilson. It doesn't seem like he's like, you know, Thon, we saw he could play center. I mean, he's, he gets overpowered uh, at times, but, but he's a, you know, he's a bulldog. He works his ass off. Um, and, and he figured out, figured it out. And, you know, certainly there's a long path for DJ Wilson. And he's also, as we said, I mean, he's a little bit weird prospect because, you know, he's wasn't a highly touted recruit. He's already over 21. So he's not a young guy, um, but he is young kind of maybe in like basketball maturity terms. So, um, yeah, he's he's just an interesting prospect. You know, again, I don't think he's a home run swing prospect, but um, certainly a guy that, um, you know, I think we can talk a bit about what he means for the Bucks roster. But, um, you know, um, certainly we're, we're, we're Mirza Toledovich fans, but certainly, you know, this makes Mirza Toledovich more expendable, you'd say. For sure. Um, I'm very curious how they view his first half of the season versus his second half of the season, because I, I was talking to you about this before we started recording, but uh, John Horse made a mention of, okay, when you look at his numbers, he essentially played the same throughout the season when at the start of the season he was more of a role player and then at the end of the season he was taking over games a little bit more. Um, and he had mentioned how he was just as, as just as efficient um, at the start as he was at the end when he was playing as a role player as, as opposed to when he was more of the man. And um, in those in that stretch, I guess, in the, in the big 10 conference tournament in the NCAA tournament, like he, he played quite a bit better. And uh, I think his numbers bump up, bump up in postseason play to like 16 points per game. And I think the rebounds bump up a little bit and the blocks go up to two. And I, I guess one thing I'm curious about is if they viewed that as the start of the next step for him rather than, cause I, I, 
Because if you're thinking of him as that guy at the start of the year, like, oh, well, I I don't think you would think all that highly of that of that player. Um, he's soft. He's not going down the inside. He, he's not able to kind of take over games. He's floating in and out of games, and sometimes he can just disappear. Like, that would be concerning. But if you think the real DJ Wilson is the dude that was – in their final, I don't even know, there's probably, what, three or four games in the Big Ten tournament, and they got to the Sweet 16, so that's three games there. Like, if you think he's the guy that showed up in those in those seven games, crazy small sample size, don't get me wrong, but if you think that's the guy, well, then maybe you think there is some more growth in there, and you think there is maybe the potential for him to play stronger, more physical, more aggressive. Um, so I guess that was something I was kind of thinking about as I was going through uh, and just kind of looking at his season and what he was uh, because, like you said, he redshirted his freshman year, had some injuries in I think his freshman and sophomore year, and then uh, in his junior year he kind of busts out but only – or I should say primarily at the end of the season. So um, I don't know. He's – I'm certainly – like I'm intrigued by him. There there was plenty of guys there that I think if they would have picked any of the bigs, I think I probably would have been bored with that. Um, and I, I thought at least this was interesting. And then I think the big thing is once again that on – let's see, whenever we talked to – to John Horace. So Tuesday after the last draft workout, we talked to him and I tweeted this out, but the first thing he said was, um, I, I asked a question last year when we were in this spot, we asked John, what is it? If there's one trait that you're looking for in this, in, in these draft picks, who, what are you looking for? And he said, shooting. And they drafted a guy in Thon who's a shooter and they drafted a guy in Malcolm Brogdon who's a shooter. So they draft their two shooters there. And when I asked John that same question, he said versatility and then Buck's DNA. And uh, to me that, that kind of just made total sense. And when you ask him that same question tonight, after they draft DJ Wilson, what was it that set him apart from those other big guys that were in that same area? It was positional versatility. And um, I, I just think, that's very much what they see as this team's identity and they were going to do everything that they could to draft to it and um, if that meant reaching a little bit I think they felt more comfortable doing that than say drafting a big or drafting I don't even know what else you could have drafted kind of in that area maybe Ananobi um, but Again, we don't know anything about his medicals. The fact that he fell that far, that far would probably suggest to me that maybe there's some things some people were uncomfortable with um, with him. So uh, I'm interested, and I think this pick very much fits what they've been trying to create in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I've been intrigued by Ananobi. Um, I just worry that, you know, the – there isn't really any indication that the shot is ever going to come with with OG and yeah. on this team it's it's just tough to um, to go for a guy like that and necessarily feel I mean on the one hand you could argue well you know if your team is let's say you you know forget about Jabari if Jabari is not in the picture you know if OG Ananobi is is ultimately a starter next to Giannis and Thon I mean that's an incredible defensive front three and you, if you played Middleton at you know shooting guard or something. Um, you know, it's super intriguing and, and maybe OG doesn't need to be 
you know, a great offensive player or anything like that. I mean, I kind of see him more as like an Aminu type type guy, like an athlete who, you know, if he's knocking down corner three, suddenly becomes way more useful and interesting as an all around player. Um, but at 23, which, you know, I think was the, well, I guess that was the Bucks pick they would have had from the Clippers, if not for the Gravis Vasquez trade. So, um, let's get our womp womp of the night out of the way. Uh, Grievous Vasquez ends up basically what, how many games of Grievous Vasquez play like 20 or 15 in Milwaukee, 15 horrible games or something like that. Yeah. Um, it, that Bucks ended up trading effectively, uh, Norm Powell and OG Ananobi for that, which again, maybe Ananobi doesn't turn out to be anything either, but, uh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool to have those guys on the roster right about now. But, um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I think at 17, I mean, it was interesting. We heard that Bam Adebayo was very high on the Bucks draft board. Draft board Chad Ford suggesting he was ninth on the Bucks draft board, which I was. That was the I name I heard all week. Yeah, I, I will say the same thing. As I talk to people around the league, that was the name I heard all week was Bam yeah. to the Bucks. And he was he was um, both DX and and Ford had Bam um, mocked there. Uh, so it seemed like he probably would have been the pick. Um, and, and I don't know, I mean, like we talked about it, like Bam seems kind of like maybe, uh, maybe a little more talented, like Montrez Harrell type guy. I don't, I don't know if these, you know, especially with Thon, like, okay, you know, he's your backup center, um, with Wilson. Now he's probably your backup four cause you know, again, Giannis is effectively a four. So, yeah. um, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, it was a tough spot as we said to be drafting. It was a bit of a dead zone at number 17, um, you know, murmurs of the Bucks trying to trade up potentially, um, murmurs of the Bucks trying to trade down potentially, uh, you know, I, it, it's tough to say, right? I mean, trying to trade up, there was talk of, um, Sacramento being open to trading down out of 10, which they ultimately did. Um, they eventually got the 15th and 20th picks for that. Um, you know what the Bucks would have needed to move up. And we've talked about this. The Bucks just don't have obvious assets for a move like that. I wouldn't. I personally, I don't think I would want it, would have wanted to trade Malcolm Brogdon and 17 for 10. Um, and Agreed. and if you're not doing that, then you're talking about like future first rounders or something like that, because there really isn't like another guy that makes sense to trade there. So I, I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, I'm not really, you know, even if you put protections on a pick, I'm not really a big fan of of dealing with future first, especially in a draft like this. I don't know. And and as I said, there were some guys I, I did like. I mean. Donovan Mid- Donovan Mid- Mitchell when I thought he had just the ni- the best interview. He seems so nice and he, he plays hard he's and he's athletic he's and I think he's going to be good. Um, he he went thirteen, uh, ended up being traded to Utah, who did trade up. Um, so he's a guy that I I would have been really interested in. But of course, Malik Monk was the other obvious guy that I'm sure people would have been excited uh, if they could have drafted him. He ends up going eleventh, um, but that doesn't happen. Uh, Frank, and Bucks we've never talked about either. Malik Monk, uh, and I want to do it quickly. Sure. I have serious questions about his size and defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't, you know, what does he do? He's a great shooter, and that's kind of all we know for sure about him, right? His and, handle isn't very good. Like, I don't know. I just worry about him at the next level. Sorry, and I know this is totally off topic and not Bucks related, but I just saw so many people clamoring for him, and he scares me. Yeah, I, I mean, he, you know, he has a, a shorter wingspan than Juwan Evans, um, yeah. which is not a good sign. Six four wingspan. Um, and I just don't and, know, like I don't know what position he guards. Like I don't think he can guard ones or twos. 
Well, I mean, at this point, you know, so much of the NBA at this point is, you know, can you get through screens if you're a guard? Yeah. You know, how hard do you work? Um, he obviously has, you know, he doesn't have, obviously length tends to be really important, especially on defense, which is the concern there. Um, you know, he is very athletic, so you would hope yeah. that he could maybe use that somewhat. And again, raw explosiveness um, isn't necessarily always the most useful thing um, defending. But, um, you know, give me, give me, you know, length that I don't need to move for um, versus vertical leap on defense. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that would have been a big gamble to to do a trade up for Monk. And, you know, we'll see. Right. I mean, it's also an interesting fit. I think the interesting thing with Milwaukee would have been, of course, that, um, you know, again, I don't think he's a, can really play one. But um, with Giannis, with Middleton, get away with it. Yeah. exactly, exactly. Could, you know, could the Bucks have figured out a way to um, or, or pair him like with, you know, again, like with all these different lineups the Bucks have, like with Brogdon and Delhi, uh, you just have defensive flexibility to pick who, you know, who a guy like Monk would defend. And, you know, e- even if he brings the ball up, like he's not going to necessarily have to initiate much offense, even when there isn't another point guard on the court. So, um, so yeah, he would have been in- really interesting. I mean, I'm sure people would have been really excited, but I agree. I mean, I think a lot of questions about him. He, he could certainly be, you know, a, a hollow stats, you know, 18 point per game type guy. Um, and, and we'll just have to see what, how he, how he evolves, but, um, uh, but yeah, let's get back in on buck stuff. Uh, before we move on to Sterling Brown and kind of what happened with the bucks in the second round, I guess one of the things John Horst had talked about Tuesday before the draft was looking for a guy that fits in, in the long term. How do you feel about DJ Wilson's long-term fit in Milwaukee? Because I have questions. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's a backup four. Um, I, I think, you know, you could certainly play him next to Thon. You could s- probably play quote unquote small lineups with Giannis, um, where you you maintain length. Um, you could put him out there with Thon and Giannis. You know, if we're talking about like the young kind of core guys. Um, so I think there's some versatility there. Um, you know, I think. If you're trying to factor Jabari into things um, and you say, well, when is when Giannis is off the court, um, on the one hand, you could say, well, DJ Wilson's, you know, role player type guy can play off ball, can shoot, stretch the floor. Um, maybe that could complement Jabari well. Uh, you know, defensively, Wilson's not like a really bad defender. You know, again, there's the switchability factor, which is good. Um, but again, like he's not also not like, you know, Ananobi or somebody like that who's going to you know, be able to really sort of, um, offset maybe some of Jabari's weaknesses. So, um, so I mean, he fits in kind of, but you know, I mean, he, he can play with different types of players, I think, cause he, he's a complimentary offensive player and does have that, you know, some versatility, uh, defensively. Um, I think, you know, and, and we, we got to bring in Jason Kidd's joke that he told tonight, because I think that plays into some of my concerns, which is that, um, you know, he doesn't rebound at all. Um, and in fact, the Bucks' second-round pick, who's a swingman, is a much better rebounder than T.J. Wilson is. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I guess more more of the same in terms of Bucks uh, front court players who who don't rebound well. To this moment, I can't believe he said that joke. I I, re- I really cannot believe it. I think one of the knocks going into the draft on D.J. was maybe the rebounding a little bit. Do you have any concerns with that? A big guy like him maybe not having as high of rebound numbers as you would expect. He fits, you know. <laughs> we don't rebound the ball. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> it's late. It's late. <laughs> no, um, 
No, I think he, he has the ability to improve, um, DJ and the rest of the team. Um, you know, I think uh, the things that he brings, you know, when we talked about, you know, blocking shots, um, being able to be 6'10", use your length, it, that's our DNA. And so, you know, that's, you know, hopefully he can do those things that we see. Um, he's going to work extremely hard. Um, but again, when you talk about today's NBA, there is no position. You know, you look at the finals, there is no center. And so uh, he fits what we're trying to build here. Um, but yeah, it was funny. But again, maybe not funny because it's a serious problem. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's a legitimately serious serious problem. Uh, this is a six ten guy who doesn't have very good rebounding numbers. And again, you can concoct an argument uh, any way that y- you really want and say, okay, this is a guy that plays outside in. He's spending more time out of the three-point line. He didn't need to rebound. Okay, that's totally fine, but he needs to rebound. <laughs> like that, That's just going to be how it is. And uh, obviously Jason kind of hit on something there that they do struggle rebounding and that the whole team has struggled rebounding. So um, it's something the organization is clearly aware of, um, and they decided that either he can improve in that in that mm-hmm. aspect or that the team can improve in that aspect and having a guy that doesn't rebound particularly well for his size is not going to hinder them going forward so um i don't know i i just thought it was interesting that he would make that joke knowing that it is it's it's a real problem yeah defensive rebounding has been a a big issue for the bucks and um you know, the, I not, certainly the, the DJ Wilson pick isn't going to change that. Um, I think only uh, some lower body strengthening workouts of for Thon Maker, and um, you know, I, I don't know what else what else you do, right? I mean, you you can kind of only teach guys so much how to rebound, and ultimately, then it just sort of becomes a an effort thing. I think so. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we will see. Um, we'll get a chance here uh, in in July at Summer League to to get our put our arms around what it like looks like to see uh dj wilson on the court hopefully with thon maker and um i i guess we'll go from there and see if see if he's a guy that uh i think i think it'll be certainly interesting to see what how the bucks roster evolves this summer because certainly as it stands now um you know i just don't see much room for him to play with with Toledovich and and uh, well Giannis, obviously um but uh but then also Toledovich, you know being kind of a, a guy who's really more of a four and and as we said, Wilson at this point is is really more of a four. You're probably not going to slot him in at the three at this point, nor at the five with with any regularity. They could, you know, again, switchability, but um, but uh, but some also some limitations there. All right, let's move on to the second round pick. Oh, one more one more thing. Um, I mentioned this just this just sort of like came to me when I was looking at pictures of DJ Wilson. But if you put DJ Wilson's hair on Charlie Villanueva's head. I feel like there would be some eerie similarities aesthetically as well as there's some hints of Charlie V in his game. He's yeah. longer than Charlie. I was I went back and looked up Charlie V's college stats. He's longer than Charlie V. Um, he's not as good of a rebounder as Charlie V was. I don't think it's possible for him to be as bad a defender as Charlie V was. Um, but, you know, in terms of like a tall guy who likes to shoot threes and has some inside out game and kind of plays smaller than you might think both for both good and bad reasons. Um, I, I had to kind of chuckle when uh, when I, I asked for photoshops and somebody did give me it. I forget who did. I, I retweeted it. But um, but somebody did give me a photoshop of of Charlie V with with DJ Wilson's hair. So 
Um, anyway, I hope that is the last Charlie Villanueva comparison I make to DJ Wilson, <laughs> but we will see. Anyway, on to the second round. All right, so let's move on to the second round. I would say there was a meltdown in my mentions for two to three minutes, Frank, here, um, as the Bucks decided to sell their pick at 48. Um, and, again, I my mentions were just flooded. I cannot believe this is happening again. I cannot believe the Bucks have done this again. I cannot believe that this has happened. And it did. But the Bucks decided to buy another pick, and they bought the 46th pick, and they decided to use that on Sterling Brown. And I tweeted this out. I don't want to say he's universally loved, but I think you're going to struggle to find a draft guy that said a unkind word <laughs> about Sterling Brown because, man, it is – it was a love fest from everyone involved. I, I think what Kevin O'Connor called him one of the three true three and D prospects in this draft. I know Cole Zwicker said that he was one of his favorite guys in the draft. Uh, I think he had Sterling 16th on his board. Um, and again, you get him at 46. Uh, so that's a guy that our guy Cole Z- Zwicker really liked. And yeah, I don't, I don't think you can find a bad word about him or that pick. And to give you a little bit more information on him, uh, Sterling Brown's six foot six. Um, what is his wingspan? Six ten, six nine and a half. So he, uh, so he was he at Portsmouth. He did not get invited to the NBA draft combine, which is really surprising. Um, he he measured at Portsmouth six four without shoes, six five in shoes. 225 with a six nine and a half wingspan and an eight seven and a half standing reach so very good measurables certainly for a two guard and obviously especially with that strength seems like a guy who will be able to play up a position to the three as well he played at smu that's a team if you remember our talk about semi ojale that i just loved watching because they had a bunch of dudes that shot threes handled the ball defended and all pretty much looked the same from six five to six eight and everyone just kind of did their jobs uh so that's exciting uh he's shannon brown's brother i don't know if i mean shannon brown was an nba lifer so whether or not you thought he was a great player that should speak to maybe uh sterling brown's capability again he's not he's not the crazy athletic guy that shannon brown was um but He's quite skilled. 47.5% from three, Frank. That seems pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that that is, you know, proven he can shoot from from the college three-point line. Um, a pretty big sample over his career. You know, again, he's an older prospect. He's 22. He's a senior. Um, so, I mean, I think it, it is interesting looking at you know, one of the big questions this, this over the past week was, well, how is John Horst going to carry on the legacy of John Hammond, will he, uh, in terms of the types of draft picks he makes, um, with DJ Wilson, certainly the length question was, was answered, uh, again, another bucks draft pick that, that brings really good length and, you know, uh, pretty good athleticism, at least smoothness from an athletic standpoint. Um, and Sterling Brown as well, you know, a guy who has pretty good length, um, and, and versatility and can defend multiple positions. Um, you know, a guy that, that has a very good rep just in terms of being a, a worker on defense. Uh, and, you know, maybe going against the grain a little bit, um, Malcolm Brogdon notwithstanding, uh, in terms of drafting, you know, more mature guys, older guys, 
um, insert Thon Maker joke here, I guess. But uh, but uh, overall, you know, interesting to see some so some some things carrying over from from maybe the you know the stereotypes of a John Hammond pick and and some things maybe not so much. But um, you know, I think Brown's interesting because whereas um, you know Wilson we said kind of plays small. Um, Brown feels like a guy who plays kind of bigger because of his strength and, um, you know, his ability to kind of bulldoze guys, maybe not like a, you know, super explosive guy, which is ironic to say about Shannon Brown's brother. Cause certainly Shannon Brown was, you know, basically made a career out of being a really athletic player. Um, but as we said, you know, a guy who, um, weighs a lot. I mean, his measurables are, are pretty damn similar to Malcolm Brogdon's to be honest. Um, which, you know, again, Brogdon played point guard for the most part for the Bucks, but he's an enormous point guard. And, you know, Brogdon physically is a guy who can, you know, match up with a lot of threes as well. And um, certainly with Sterling Brown, you know, I think that, as you said, got the, at the SMU guys did a lot of stuff. And again, 13.4 points per game doesn't jump off the page. Um, but last year, uh, 45% from three, 79% from the line, um, six and a half rebounds and three assists. Um, I think that's, those are two numbers that I think kind of stand out a little bit for a guy of his size to get six and a half rebounds more than DJ Wilson um, and three assists a game. Again, I mean, it's not a huge number, but for a wing to do that, I think shows that he does have some pretty good vision. And um, again, another guy who I think when you, when you talk about, you know, is this a guy who's going to have to reinvent himself from being, you know, a number one super high usage guy to being a guy who stands in the corner and shoots? Always kind of a question with with a lot of these guys who are great college players. And Brown's a little bit different. I mean, he wasn't a super huge numbers guy in college. He even had some of that role player-ish type talent. Um, you know, again, and move the ball wasn't just a single sort of one-track mind gunner. And I think, you know, again, uh, maybe the ceiling is not that high with a guy like this, um, but certainly, you know, mid for, mid second round, um, especially given the Bucks would like to have shooting uh, and need more shooting and every team wants more shooting. Um, he's the kind of guy who uh, who you like. And, uh, you know, a couple of people asked me if, you know, this pick is, is in some way uh, um, insurance against Tony Snell leaving or, you know, in order to facilitate not having to pay Tony Snell. I don't think it is. I mean, I think the Bucks, again, I think the Bucks want to bring Tony Snell back. I'm sure Tony Snell would want to come back um, for the right price, and um, I think there's a good chance that that, that will happen um, here uh, in early July. But uh, but certainly a guy who gives you some insurance there, and um, you know, again, uh, Rashad Vaughn. Maybe it's a bit more shot across his bow. Um, we will see what uh, what Rashad's future holds. He is under contract next year, but um, certainly I think Sterling Brown's a really interesting prospect to. Um, you know, again, looks like the kind of guy who can carve out a, an NBA niche for himself. And um, hopefully we see that in Milwaukee very soon. Yeah. And I guess taking now taking a look at the last four picks, they said they wanted to add shooting. And again, maybe they didn't go out and get a, a Luke Kennard, uh, a Malik Monk, a guy that is only shooting, or, or maybe that's what they're super well known for. But looking over the last two the last two years, all four guys they've drafted, Thon, Malcolm, DJ, and Sterling, all four of those guys are shooters. They are all guys that are capable shooters and guys that can knock down threes. And as you're trying to build that team around Giannis, that seems like seems like a pretty good strategy, if I do say so myself. So um, it'll be, uh, again, always interesting to see whether or not guys like this get opportunities. Um, just because second rounders sometimes don't get opportunities. And last year we saw the Bucks 
in a way, kind of create an opportunity for Malcolm Brogdon in that they believed in him so much that they decided before the season, okay, we can move MCW and Brogdon can step in some of those point guard minutes and we're, we'll be fine with that. And they essentially were. Uh, and Brogdon got to a point where he started to take Delhi's minutes. So um, we'll see if that's what they do again with Sterling Brown because – Again, if you sign Tony Snell and you have some of those other guys, maybe there's not a ton of minutes for Sterling Brown in there. Um, But if he takes some of Jason Terry's minutes, um, if I I would say Rashad Vaughn's minutes, but those are non-existent to begin with. Um, So I don't know what the role may be, but I think that's always a big thing for second rounders is to actually get the chance and prove that they can do it and prove that they have value. Yeah, we'll see. And and I think an interesting thing to watch out for, you know, every year there are guys who don't get drafted that um, we look at and say, oh, man, that's an interesting guy. Um, and this year, I think just because of maybe some of the depth in this draft, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this was more a top heavy draft than a really deep draft, maybe. But, um, you know, as always, there are guys that go into the second round that you kind of look at and say, man, that guy feels like he should have been a first rounder. And um, certainly there were a lot of guys as, as I was sitting there kind of counting down to to the Bucks pick. Um, it felt like they were going to be able to get somebody that that you might like. Uh, and then, you know, some interesting guys didn't get drafted as well. And obviously this year with um, the Wisconsin herd coming into play and uh, teams having a 16th and 17th roster spot they can use on two way players. We we've already seen some con- confirmations of guys um, signing with with some teams. Cameron Oliver, a guy that we both found interesting, ended up signing with the Houston Rockets. And, you know, unfortunately, probably Oliver was a guy who's less interesting after you pick up a guy like Wilson just because of sort of positional duplication. But um, I think it'll be interesting to see if there's any more follow ups from uh, from this draft and maybe some guys that didn't get picked that that maybe uh, the Bucks can can snap up and, and get on a, a two way deal. But um, but yeah, interesting. And, and, you know, I would have to say. I had my list of 15 guys that uh, I talked myself into in the second round. So um, the Bucks got one of them. So I was happy about that. <laughs> um, but I was prepared for others. Uh, Sundarius Thornwell, the guy that the Bucks technically picked at 48, um, was another one of those guys. Um, I had a couple of people mad that the Bucks traded him and didn't keep him. I don't know. I just thought of Ricky Lido. Ricky Lido? Ricky Lido? Um, a couple years ago or four years ago when uh, the Bucks trade i believe technically drafted him and then traded him and ended up with nate walters and i don't think ricky played more than like you know a cup of coffee in the nba so um just a reminder most second rounders don't become much of anything um so you know certainly sterling brown has has his work cut out for him in order to become you know the next the next Malcolm brogdon is a very tall order um <laughs> if he can come any close to that eventually you know not even as a rookie um that would be pretty awesome but um but yeah we'll see how these guys contribute um Bucks with those two players, I believe now are at, uh, let's see, 14, I think, or actually, I think 15 guys, if you include um, Gary Payton, the second, Spencer Hawes, and Tony Snell, and obviously Greg Monroe. So, um, so effectively, if the Bucks just keep everybody, um, they'd be at 15 roster spots and technically wouldn't need to sign anybody else but something tells me that we will see at least some movement this summer so we'll be interested to see what happens next that i was kind of thinking about that before uh as well because that was something i wrote today that this is this is the bucks first crack at making some moves this summer but also probably their best cracks at making actual 
additions to this roster and trying to find guys that can create that surplus value on rookie contracts. And we talk over and over again about how important that is. And well, the, this is, these are important picks. And again, I hate to say you need to hit on the 17th pick of a draft because that's totally unfair because 17th picks turn out at about a 50% rate. So it's unfair to say, but because of the cap situation they put themselves in, it's the reality. That's that's how this exists, that the Bucks need some of these guys to hit, and we'll see if they do going forward. But uh, it was an important night, and uh, I think there are plenty of valid concerns about DJ Wilson. I also think there are a number of valid reasons to be excited about DJ Wilson. And Sterling Brown, I don't know that I can come up with a lot of reasons to – not be excited about it but then again he's a second round pick and that's kind of how we all feel about second round picks at all times so uh low expectations low expectations are a great thing for a player yeah absolutely uh so that's going to be it for us um unless there's anything else you want to add frank uh we were told that we'll have a, a press conference for at the time the i still don't think sterling brown is official um I haven't received a press release on that. The Sundarius Thornwell trade just became official, so uh, we should see the Sterling Brown trade shortly. But we were told that uh, there will be a press conference with the first pick uh, that they made, The apparently the only pick that they made at the time because obviously stuff takes some time to become official. Uh, there will be a press conference on Monday, so you will not get to get your first listen I guess, uh, viewing, whatever you may want to say of DJ Wilson uh, today on Friday, but instead that will come on Monday. Uh, so I guess something to look forward to next week. That's going to be, by the way, isn't, isn't it a theme for the bucks that one, one other carryover, the bucks love picking guys who are either not in the green room or not even in the building, right? Tonight, yep. two picks, neither guy in the building. Um, I don't know if there were other guys uh, ahead of, um, of Wilson that that didn't even show up at all, <laughs> but yeah. um, but that was uh, that was that was pretty interesting. And obviously the Bucks, the Bucks seem to have everyone guessing, even uh, DJ Wilson about uh, about coming for for draft night. I mean, you, you know, if you had a good inkling, you were going to go 17th in the NBA draft. You know, and other draft other mocks had him like within a pick or two of that. So it's not like people were expecting him to be a mid second round pick or something like that. Interesting that he uh, he didn't come out, but um, but yeah, we will uh, hopefully get a look at him soon. And one final question for you: Jimmy Butler trade, yay or nay for the Chicago Bulls? That just took everything I had not to curse. What you're not a you're not you're not a Bulls fan. What do you care? I, I'm not. But what on earth are you thinking with that? It was bad enough before. I saw 16 added in, and then you add 16 in. How is that what you get? Again, I am very much a Chris Dunn hater. I'm aware of that, but good God, that's all you get? And I mean, kudos to his agents, to uh, Zach Levine's agency, because that dude was, whoever his agent is, he was doing work. Because there was people tweeting out like, oh, what a coop. What a, what a, what a cool coop of uh, talent they they got out here and really made some great acquisitions and zach levine's totally ready to go like what a bunch of bullshit like that was just a pile of garbage for jimmy butler and again that's probably being harsh on zach levine i understand that but 
that is not acceptable for Jimmy Butler. He's really good. He's a really good basketball player. And to get just that, a pick switch, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. It, it kind of made you wonder, like, because you have to have really charitable readings of Zach Levine, who, who is coming off an ACL tear. Granted, it's only his first. But Zach Levine, and there are a lot of parallels between Zach Levine and Jabari, even beyond the the injury stuff, right? There's yeah. the kind of, well, he scores 20 points a game, but does he actually help you win, question mark? And um, it, it does kind of make you wonder, like, if the Bucks had called up and said, you know, Jabari, uh, just we'll just give you the 17th pick. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. Why did who, it take so little? I just, yeah, I, I, don't, don't I don't know who the, it. I don't I don't know who the equivalent of Chris Dunn. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, was Chris Dunn ever going to be actually better than Malcolm Brogdon? I think a lot of people probably at this point would be skeptical of that. But I, he's still I know a I former. Am. I know he's still I am. he's still a former number four or five overall pick. But he's also basically you he's know old. Like he he's was, old. He's he's like he wasn't Brogdon a freshman age, last year. Yeah. Oh my so, god. So I don't know. It kind of makes you wonder. Like, I mean, there must be some sort of eye of the beholder thing here that that the Bulls brass is just really hot on both those guys because yeah i was the same way i mean seven plus those two guys i mean i I don't know like given the lack of pressure to trade jimmy butler it still feels like you're not getting a massive haul for him but um am i totally wrong am i totally wrong on superstars like do i not get how much superstars are worth i don't know i don't know it's it's weird it's like they especially given he was not he's not like on an expiring deal or anything it, it felt like that was um it felt like that was rushed, and then the fact that they draft Markinen, um, and now they, you know, and they're going to bring back Miritich probably as well, and just be like all tall guys who can shoot, and that's all they do. Um, it's just, it's going to be such I, a funny team to watch next year with with Wade and Wade Rondo plus those guys. It's going to be so random. So what, Jabari Brogdon and DJ Wilson for Porzingis tomorrow, right? Like, <laughs> uh, apparently that's the going rate. Like, you just have to have someone that someone might believe in. Uh, old defensively minded point guard and a pick. Throw it in. Good to go. You don't even need to get the pick swap. We don't need who you got in the first round. Next, you can just have this. Like oh, I just, I don't get it. I, I do not understand it at all. Um, man, what a colossal disaster by Garpax. Garpax gonna Garpax, man. Oh my. Okay, that we're good. Um, just just think of how fun it's gonna be to just destroy the bulls four times next year it'll be good if we'll enjoy it if paul george gets traded too oh man the the central division and the, i mean the, the bottom half of the it's the, yeah, Bucks the bottom, central division the bottom i mean and granted the d- divisions don't matter but you look at the the east just in general i mean five the hawks they're giving up yep seven the bulls or seven the pacers they look like they're probably giving up yep and the Bulls now as well. I mean, it's uh, it's really interesting. I mean, there are going to be some teams jumping up. Who knows? Um, you know, is, is Philly going to be a big riser? Miami, obviously, always a threat to to you know. I think have a have a much better year next year. Um, you know, kind of list goes on. Detroit obviously wants to get better. I don't know if they will. Um, but yeah, the, the soft underbelly of the East Conference, Eastern Conference, um, is is not scaring anyone right now. Crazy. All right. Uh, that's going to be it for us for tonight. We'll get back to you next week. We'll get, we'll be back and ready to go on Monday. Probably. Um, right. Well, press, whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll be back next week. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this whole week talking 
talking bucks, talking draft, uh, doing all that. As always, you know how to subscribe. Um, however it is that you listen to podcasts, go ahead and do that. You know how to find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric underscore name. Frank is at F Madden NBA. Uh, hit us up there. We like to interact and talk with people and kind of get your guys' opinions on it. So um, that actually that would kind of be cool for Sunday night. Like maybe we'll send out a tweet and just say, what are your general thoughts 48 hours later what do you think about the bucks draft and uh maybe we can read some of those and see if uh see if you guys like all those picks or if you hated them or maybe you liked one and you you didn't like the others so uh that's gonna be it for us for today on lockdown bucks that was frank man i'm eric name we'll talk to you on monday